Several weeks ago, Kyle said, you know, I was reading about Lazarus, and there's something that really stuck out to me. And we said, okay, tell us about it. So a few weeks went by, but today's the day. So today Kyle's going to share with us, and I want to pray with him before he begins. Father, thank you for Kyle. Thank you for his willingness to share with us what is revealed to him through your word. And we just pray now that you would give him the words to speak, and that our, our, our ears and our hearts would be open to hear what he has to say, what you have to say through him this morning. Just bless this time now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Am I on? All right. All right. Thank you guys very much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it, especially from the elders. Uh, sharing has been something that's been on my heart for quite a while, and I've always been thinking of how to start this. How do you start whenever you get up here? What do you say? But I think one thing that's really been on my heart lately is us moving forward as a church. And I think one thing that we have to do in this is be willing to be honest with each other, be willing to ask for prayer, and be willing to, to tell each other about our struggles. So the first thing I'm going to do today is give a little bit of my testimony. It's a kind of nerve-wracking. You hope that some of the things you share, people don't look at you and say, well, that makes sense. I can see that you would struggle with that. <laughs> but yeah, when Dwayne read Psalm 8, when you read that, verse 4 really sticks out to me. What is man that he should be thought of by him? And when I think about that, and I meditate on that verse, I notice that the first three verses are talking about God's power, majesty, and strength. In verses 5 through 8, he's also talking about his creation, his power, and his strength. But in verse 4, what is man that he should be thought of by him? Well, what is man? Man is an eternal being with a temporal body. He expresses himself as art, poetry, love, And yet he can also express himself with anger, violence, and war. All things that can be brought about by his own hands. He is instructed to live a holy life, even though he struggles against the very flesh and his nature. Instructed to love one woman, though his thoughts may go towards many. Constantly asking his Savior for love, mercy, and forgiveness. And yet when it is asked of from him, he reluctantly gives it if he even gives it at all. So when you take that past man, what is man, then look at the men that are in the Bible. What was Adam, that God should commune with him in the garden? Who was Cain, that God would give him a mark of mercy? Who was David, that he would be thought of as righteous? And who am I, that God would love me? Who am I, that I would be loved, is... Something that I've struggled with. Uh, In my life, there's been bouts of very low self-esteem, depression. I tried to handle that in different ways, different methods to escape reality, uh, different addictions I got myself into, such as pornography, struggled with pills for brief stint, uh, abused alcohol for a while, had 
horrible bouts of frustration, anger, and rage that would come out. Uh, the union has even had to step in years ago and save my job at work because of the outburst I had to my boss. And these are things that I hope, I hope opening up about today helps me become relatable to people to where if you struggle with these things too, I am more than willing to pray with you. I want to pray with you. I want to encourage you up and lift my brother or my sister up. When I was growing up, I knew Christ. I grew up in the church. I did all the things that you should do. I attended a Christian school. I had perfect attendance at vacation Bible school. I homeschooled through a Christian academy, played sports with a Christian organization in Kansas City, dated a girl that was the piano player at her church. I mean, I just mark everything off, right? But then when I went to college and I started gaining freedom, that is when different temptations started hitting me. And you get out of college, you get away from your friends. Touts start creeping in. Uh, and just complete worthlessness. What is this life about? How could anyone ever care for me? And then eventually, uh, Christ brought me my wife, Caitlin. Some of you know her. Excuse me if I get emotional. She has been such a blessing in my life. And has helped me through a lot. One thing that is unfortunate is that when you struggle with all these things, sometimes you bring them with you into other relationships. Some of that stuff I brought into our marriage. The anger, the... The different addictions to like pornography and stuff like that. And there are so many times where I made her feel inferior. And I know that I hurt her. And it is something that I wish I could take back. My anger has cost me so many relationships, so many friendships, family members I don't even talk to in years. Friends that we got into a fight six or seven years ago and we're just now starting to repair those relationships. I'm trying to be honest with my sharing here. <clears throat> but in all of that, I can honestly tell you that Christ was pursuing me. There were so many times when he would reveal himself to me. And he would give me hope that no one else could. And it was just like a roller coaster up and down. And uh, I would mess up and he would smack me in the head and get my attention back. (laughs) And uh, some of the things that happened in the last 15 years, I'll just share with you real quick. There were several trips that I would wind up taking to emergency rooms, ICUs for various issues. But every single time I was in one of them, whether it was the doctor, the technician, or a nurse, someone would witness to me when I was in there. I remember getting a lymph node looked at on my neck, and the ultrasound technician told me about Christ, and getting an MRI on my chest. 
and the technician telling me about his church. <clears throat> the night I was in the ICU, the nurse was from Texas, and she was sharing the gospel with me while I was in there. <clears throat> we were talking with each other. Every single time I messed up, he always had grace and lifted me up in ways that I can't even explain. But the final time that happened was about a year ago. Everything was going good. I was going good in my faith. Our marriage was going good. I had finally become the father that I had wanted to be. And I took Caitlin one night to Dollar General to grab something for supper. And she went inside and my entire face went numb. My tongue went numb. I couldn't swallow. My chest went numb. My arm. I thought I was having a stroke. So they took me to the emergency room. And I told Kevin Berge about this the next night whenever I was home. And he said, brother, I think you need to write all this down so you don't forget this. And I wrote down eight pages of everything that happened when I was in this <clears throat> in the ICU unit that night. And I'll share some of that with you. The first thing that happened was the nurse that came in to take my blood. She started talking to me about God and how it was a blessing to just wake up that morning. And I told her, yes, ma'am, it was. And, you know, I, uh, I think God's teaching me a lesson. And before she stuck me with a needle, she looked at me and said, well, maybe you should quit slamming your head against the brick wall and start listening to him. Okay. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> Then the, the doctors came in and the neurologist and they were looking me over and everything looked fine. Went up to the ICU room, the nurse up there, she talked to me about God for a while and we shared our faith with each other. And there were two things that happened that night and this is one of them. All throughout the night, I had a dream that kept continuing. And when I would wake up, I would only be awake for a few seconds and I'd go back to sleep. But this is what was happening. Every time I'd fall asleep, I would dream that something I had done to Caitlin, she was doing to me. And I'd wake up from that dream and I would feel her pain. And then I would fall back asleep and it would happen again. And it went like that all through the night. Finally, the last time I fell asleep, all there was was there was a man sitting on a park bench, and he looked at me and he goes, treat her better. And I woke up, and I could hear the heart monitor, saw the ICU lights, and I just felt this hand on my foot, and uh, I heard, good morning, handsome, and Caitlin was sitting there. She had came in as soon as the ICU would let her in and been standing by my bed the whole time. And uh, I lost it. I just started crying. Of course, all the nurses come running in because they're supposed to be looking for emotional instability because that's a sign of a stroke. (laughs) Like, I'm fine. I just love my wife. That's all that's happening. But, (laughs) But... There's an author called Francis Thompson. He wrote a poem called The Hound of Heaven. And that is what he calls Christ, the Hound of Heaven. But scripture gives us a different view of Christ. He is the good shepherd. He will leave his flock of 99 and go after the one. And I am the one. 
I tried running for green pastures, and he pursued me, and he brought me back. <clears throat> and I, I don't know why I deserve that. I don't know why I was shown grace. I don't know why any of us are, other than the fact that he loves us. So, that is a little bit about my walk. Uh, Hopefully that's encouraging. The scripture that I would like to share with you today is, as Dwayne said, the story of Lazarus. And the more that God keeps maturing me in my faith, and the more I study scripture, the more I see and I start looking at things through a different lens, I guess you would say, through the lens of the cross. But when I see the story of Lazarus, what I see is our story. I see a man who's enslaved in the ends of this world and death, being called by name by his Lord and Savior because of his grace and mercy, being brought into the land of the living to commune with his Savior in order to be witness of his power and glory to those around him. Is that not us? Is that not our story? It is. And for the first time, I finally saw that. When I got out of the hospital the next night and I was walking around praying, something finally clicked with me that had never clicked with me before. And I hope I express this correctly. Christ did not save me from alcohol. He didn't save me from anger. He didn't save me from my addictions. All of us are fallen in nature, and all of us can have these things if we expose ourselves to them enough. Christ Jesus saved me from myself. He saved me from me. He saved me from my nature. He generated me into a new being, one that will praise and worship him. Because he has all of us. But a couple of things I'd like to do first, if you would like to turn to John 11, if you haven't already turned there. I really, really, really wanted to go in depth with this and look at all the different aspects. But I think instead of what I'd like to do is I would like to point a few things out. And then I would like for us to read this together. And hopefully in that the spirit moves and shows you some things too. I'm always open to conversation. If he shows you something that I didn't mention, by all means, please talk to me. The first thing that I notice is in verse 2. It is Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. The thing that is so interesting about this is that Mary is mentioned for the way that she humbled herself before him. That is why she's mentioned in this story. The first reason why she's mentioned. I'll say it like that. The other thing that stuck out to me was verse 16. Therefore Thomas said to his fellow disciples, let us go so that we may die with him. So many times when we look at Thomas, we think of him as doubting Thomas. But here, he's being mentioned because of the strength of his faith. One thing, too, that I think often gets looked over in this story is the tradition that Christ Jesus broke when he rose Lazarus. Sometimes throughout scripture you'll see different traditions weave their way in and out and God will address them in various ways. And in this one, there's a big one, a pivotal one. Have you ever read this story and asked yourself, why did he raise Lazarus on the fourth day? 
What is it about the fourth day that that would be mentioned? There's a Jewish tradition at the time that after a person died, the spirit would hover with the body for three days because it, it wouldn't be ready to head off to heaven yet, I guess is the way you would explain it. Finally, on the fourth day, the body would start to decompose enough that the spirit would look down, see himself, realize he was dead, realize his family was mourning, and take off. So when Christ rose Lazarus on the fourth day, he not only bodily resurrected him, but he spiritually resurrected him. That was a complete declaration of who he was that the Jewish leaders could no longer deny. In fact, if you look at chapter 12, verse 10, read this here. But the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away, were believing in Jesus. To my knowledge, Lazarus is the only person in Scripture that Christ Jesus healed or helped that the Jewish leaders wanted to kill. And then the last thing I'd like to mention would be, if it was not for the death of Lazarus, what would we know about Mary and Martha? Would they kind of be like Nicodemus, just some people that were in the life of Christ that briefly got mentioned and went away? Something that got lost in the annals of history, what his relationship with them was? But because of the death of Lazarus, because of the grief that this family is going through, that is how we learn about how much Christ Jesus loved them and cared for them. <clears throat> and also in the suffering, he met each of them as needed. He went out to Martha and declared himself to be the resurrection and the life. And when Mary came out, it says with her he wept. Jesus wept. And so too he meets us in our suffering as well. If you look around the sanctuary on a Sunday morning, look at all the different types of suffering that are in here. We've got sleep apnea, AFib, cancer, stroke, tumors, cranial nerve issues, fused ankles, spinal injuries. Just go through the list. And yet every Sunday we come in here and we praise Christ for his mercy, for his grace, and for his love. And he meets us how we need him in those moments. So hopefully... These are things that can kind of stir up your mind a little bit as we read through here. And we'll start with verse 1, and I'll read through 45. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sister sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, The sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. 
This he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. But Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Therefore Thomas, who is called Didemus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, so that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. When she she had said this, she went away and called Mary her sister, saying secretly, The teacher is there and is calling for you. When she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. Now Jesus had not come into the village, but still in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in her house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit, and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? I said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man also from dying? So Jesus, again being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone was laying against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you have always hear, <clears throat> that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Therefore many of the Jews who came to Mary 
and saw what he had done, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus had done. I love that that beginning part of 45. Many of the Jews came to Mary and saw what he had done and believed in him. Lazarus is a witness of Jesus Christ solely because of the works that Christ Jesus did in him, the same as we are. And I hope that that's something that we carry with us and we do not ever take lightly. We always remember his love, his mercy, and his grace that he has shown us. And uh, that is essentially what I wanted to share with you guys today. Reminder that we are loved by him. He is always with us. He always seeks us. And that even whenever you are in the pits of despair, he is there with you. He will always be with you. All right, pray real quick, and then Darlo come up. Christ, I thank you so much for the cross and what you've done for us. I thank you for your mercy that you show us daily. I thank you for the opportunities you give us to share your word. I pray, Lord, in the days ahead that you continue to weigh on us and convict us, that you help us to bear witness of your love to those around us, Lord. I pray that you encourage us and strengthen us and help us to do the same to our brothers and sisters, Lord. May we always lift each other up in prayer. May we always seek you. And may we always be present with you, Lord. Thank you for all these things. Amen.